All right. How's everybody doing today? Doing good, doing good. All right, I'll throw out a disclaimer, okay? If you're visiting with us, uh, I'm not the usual speaker, okay? Uh, people are on vacation, and so I do take a time and rotation. So I'm just an insurance man who loves the Lord, and uh, so don't hold it against the speakers who are usually here. All right? We're going to have fun today. Uh, we're still continuing in our series in Ephesians, and if you would like to turn your Bibles, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 17 through 32. But before we get started today, how many of you are fans of superheroes, like superhero series, like, you know, like Batman and Robin, Superman, you know, Lord of the Rings, that's not superhero, that's just, that's weird, y'all, sorry. I don't get into that stuff. Um, but how many of you like like uh, superheroes? Wait, raise your hands. All right, what's some of your superheroes that you like? Batman, Robin, all right. Thor. Thor? I, I, I think she probably said that because Thor's hot or something. I just have a... Because I promise you, Adam West was not hot back in the day. You know, how many of you remember Adam West as, as Batman? I'm probably telling my age, well, I watched the reruns, okay? I'm not, I'm probably not that old, but I used to watch it. And um, so, okay, so you got Thor. I haven't seen the Thor movie, so I'll take your word for it. All right, who else? Spider-Man, Johnny Quist. Johnny Quist. Who's Johnny Quist? That must be after my time because I don't know who Johnny Quist. No, I take that back. Johnny Quest was a cartoon, I think, when I was a young boy, right? I do remember that. I do remember. Very good. I mean, you're reaching back in the old school days. All right, who else? Batman. You got Robin, Spider-Man. Yeah. Iron Man. All right. Wonder Woman. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Wonder Woman. That's what, that's what I'm talking about right there. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. What, no, what was her name? Who, who was the lady that played Wonder Woman? Linda Carter. Linda Carter. Yeah, she's beautiful, wasn't she? Yep. Every man loved. Well, we get. We, we better move on. We better move on. So if you look at if you look at those superheroes back in those days, there's always been what an, an adversary, right? You've always had like who was some of Batman? I I can't remember a lot of the adversaries of like I haven't watched Thor or any of that other stuff or Johnny Quest I don't remember but like Batman and Robin like who was who was their nemesis Joker Penguin yeah if you remember the old series you had like the Penguin guy man there's all kind of, but see like even before that like I can remember or, at, or should be after that like Star Wars you know how many I'm, I'm really surprised none of y'all said Star Wars because you know, you had Luke Skywalker, and you had—I used to call him Dark Vader, but it's not Dark Vader; it's Darth Vader. But um, but when you look at that, there's always sort of been an awareness of good and evil, right? And I'm going to tell you, like last week, Becky and I—we went on a couple's date with another couple. And how many of you have seen the movie Top Gun Maverick? How many of you have seen it? Okay. I'll be first to tell you, I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. Okay, I just, I don't, I don't get his belief system and all that stuff. But anyway, I can't say nothing about his acting. He's a phenomenal actor. Great producer, great director, whatever you're going to call him. That honestly is probably one of the best movies I've ever seen, just being honest. 
but I'm just not a big fan of, of Tom Cruise. But anyway, but in that movie, you see in our military, our military is the good, and then they go on, they, they're supposed to go blow up this thing that has the probability of making weapons of mass destruction. So when you see that, there's always a good story plot always has a good and evil. And if you look back all the way to the beginning of time, you had in the Garden of Eden, what'd you have? You had good, which was the Garden of Eden. You had Adam and Eve. Everything was hunky-dory until who shows up? The serpent. So there's always that awareness of good and evil, that right and wrong mentality. And I'll tell you this, I think that God really designed us to to really see that in, in, even in our own life. Um, I want you to take two words throughout this message today. And, and my prayer is that you'll use them in your life because these two words honestly have really changed my perspective. It's changed my life. It's changed my um, attitude. And the two words are this. It's intentionality and choices. Okay, so everybody, I'm going to say it three times so it kind of sticks with you. Intentionality and choices. It's what? You tell me, what is it? Intentionality and choices. Now today in Ephesians 4, we're going to look at some scripture that's going to kind of take that good and evil perspective, that right from wrong mentality. And I'll tell you this, now more than ever, the church of Jesus Christ, not just CFM or if you're here visiting, the church at large, we need to live as children in the light. And the title of the message is Light Living. Now, if you look in Ephesians four seventeen, and we're just going to go 17 through 23 first, it says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life uh, God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live in lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. I'm going to stop right there. Now, when he talks about a Gentile, what he's talking about is those who don't know Jesus Christ. Those who are still lost. Because you can see it in verse 18 when it says, their minds are full of darkness. And it goes on to say, not only that, they have no sense of shame. And they eagerly, eagerly practice impurity. Now, there's really no other way to say that those things right there are contrary to the word of God, right? It's contrary to the word of God. And for me, it really coincides or really should be the total opposite of what a life of Christ really should be, right? Well, when you look at those verses, Paul is warning the church. He's not just out in public, you know, but he's warning the church because sometimes the church can deb into stuff that they don't need to be debbing into, Right? How many of you, don't raise your hand, please, because I don't want to embarrass you. I'll raise my own hand. I've done things as a Christian that I'm not proud of, okay? And I think all of us have. You know, it's just like the scripture was saying, you know, there's no condemnation in Christ. 
Because what ends up happening is the enemy, what's he do? He's quick to remind you. He's just always quick to remind you of what you did wrong. Well, for me, I want you to take just a moment and take a time of reflection in your own life. Okay. Is there an area of darkness that when you look at your life that nobody else knows about that you kind of hold on to? You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'll pick up on us guys. Okay, I'll, I'll let you ladies have a week off. How about that? I'll let you guys, I'll pick up on us guys. Okay. And I can say this, um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that happened to me back when I was in, in younger, in my teenage years. But us guys, at one time or another, have been exposed to pornography. Okay. Pornography is something that captivates our attention. I read that in, in studying for the message that it said, one study said 57% of men ages 30 to 49 have watched some form of pornography in the last month. Okay. 42% say that they have watched pornography in the past week. Now, a quick disclaimer. As this was not a study of Christian men, this wasn't a study of CFM men in this church, okay? But if you look at the divorce rate in the church, it mirrors exactly that of the world. It's roughly about 50%, okay? So I'm going to make an assumption, and I know I'm assuming, I know I'm assuming, because I would love to be honest and say, man, I love for this to be 0% in the church, but... Let's be real. It's not 0%. So let's make the assumption that these statistics possibly are right within the church body today. I tell you that because as a teenager, I struggled with pornography. Okay? It was something that was very accessible. You know, and this was before this. We didn't have this. We had bag phones. You know, how many of you remember bag phones? You didn't have, you couldn't look stuff on the internet. You know, we didn't even have, most of, most of us as teenagers, we didn't even have cell phones, period. So, but now more than ever today, it's very accessible. Well, for me, the problem with pornography is it's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit for love. And I'll tell you this, now me and my wife, I want to just, because when I was talking to her about this message, she's like, oh my gosh, Mark, you know, it doesn't sound right, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> So, I'm going to throw a disclaimer out there to you. Okay, me and my wife are not sexually active. We did not we did not have sex before we were married. We dated for five years. Okay. If pornography is the counterfeit for love, when I got the real thing in love, I realized I no longer needed the counterfeit. So, for us guys... You know, especially young teenage guys, I know it's a draw. It can draw, but it's worth the wait. I will tell you, it's absolutely worth the wait. When I started, when Becky and I started dating, it was literally within the first two days, I realized, I said, man, I got to get rid of that. If this girl finds out that I'm watching that crap on TV, she's going to be done with me. And I did. I mean, I got rid of it. Now, intentionality and choices. 
How did that play out in my life with pornography? Okay. Even to this day, and it has been 30 years since I had that issue with pornography, to this day, I still not, I still will not allow movie channels in my house. I won't pay for Cinemax, Showtime, HBO, whatever it is. I ain't paying for it because it's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to do wrong. You have to be intentional and you have to make the right choice. Now, if there's a struggle in your life, whether it's with drugs or alcohol or pornography, you know, and maybe I'll pick up on some of the ladies in here, gossiping, being a busybody, you know, there are choices that you and I can make to be intentional about freedom, being free, because there's really no other way to say it. Those things bind us up. They truly bind us up. Now, before we move on, I need, I need a volunteer. I need, actually, I need two volunteers. Okay. So, and you can't, okay. I want to be careful because I don't want to embarrass anybody. You can't, you don't need to wear, you can't wear above an extra large. Okay. So, but I need one Clemson fan and I need one Gamecock fan. Ross? All right, come on up, Ross. Which are you? Are you a Gamecock fan or are you a Carolina, um, Clemson fan? Take them both. Take them both. Oh, I can't use you because you already got that on. I can't use you. I would love to use you. But see, you done messed up wearing that, wearing that junk to church. See, sorry. <laughs> Man, I'm so sorry, Caleb. I love Caleb to death. Man, I love Caleb to death, but he done messed up. All right, so are you the Clemson fan, I believe, right? All right, of course, of course. You come on over here. I ain't going to bite you. Come on over here. We're going to get you right, brother. We're going to lay hands on you. Come on up. You, are you a Gamecock fan? Come on up. All right. All right. So we're going we're gonna to lay hands on Rawls. We're going to get his heart right. Okay? He needs some help. All right. Now, your job, because you have a job here as well, your job is to observe. And I want you guys to be very real. Okay, don't don't hide back. Don't puke on something. I ain't clean I ain't cleaning that up, okay? Alright? So I got a present for each one of you. And you have to do it. That's part of I meant to tell you, if you volunteer, you have to do what's told because you can screw up my message if you don't. <laughs> don't screw up my message. Alright. So Rawls. Look at that face. He's like, glad my daddy ain't here. Now, now, you got to put it. You got to put it on though. You got to put it on, Ross. Don't screw up my message now. Don't screw up my message. That's all I'm gonna tell you. All right, and you got to put this on. All right. You feel weird? Oh, he looks. Wait, hold on, hold on. I think you need to take a picture. You need a picture of that, don't you? You need a picture of that. I'm messing up everybody's stuff over here. Y'all take a picture of that, because that boy didn't got his heart right. <laughs> he feels good, don't you? You feel like a man now, don't you, Ross? Ross feel like a man. That's what I'm talking about. How you feel, Ross? Pretty weak. Pretty weak? Feel like a loser, probably? Overrated. I tell you what, you tough guy. 
I know Raw, he, he works hard, he's tough. He made a good Carolina fan. You gotta be tough. You gotta learn to lose. I'm just saying, I've been there a long time. Been there since 1984. It's a long time, ain't it? Makes you feel, what else? You got any other feelings you'd like to share with us? Hopeless. Hopeless? <laughs> Golly. All right. How do you feel with that Clemson shirt on? You don't care. He don't care. He feel like a winner every day. You know why? Because you got you got Jesus and you got Caroline in your heart, don't you? That's what I'm talking about. It don't make a difference what you wear, does it? That's what I'm talking about. Give me some dad, baby. Yep. Now, I want you guys to do something. Now, you've seen their reaction, okay? Now, you switch it up. And you can do whatever. How you want to take it off? You can throw it down. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, that buddy. All right. Now, you can put those on. And we're going to see how that feels. Feel oh, going to feel good, ain't it, Ross? Oh, now he feels like he's at home, ain't he? Sinful self just putting on sin. How you feel now, for real? A feel winner. More, a winner. You feel like a winner. Feel more comfortable? Yep. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to hear? I mean, tell you smiling a little bit more. Like a champion. Like a champion, baby. Yeah. You won't feel like that with this jersey on. I promise you that. We got, oh, wait. It just depends. Depends on it. Depends. Perspective, right? Depends on perspective. You talk about football, you may be the man. Women's equestrian, right here, baby. Women's basketball, bam. What I'm talking about, champion, right here. How you feel with that on, champ? Still don't care. Still don't care. He don't care. That's a true Carolina fan. You can't care. You can't care. It don't make a difference. All right. You guys can take that off. So when you look at that, uh, just that, and these are just shirts, y'all. This is just a shirt. Yeah, we good. Y'all can go sit down. Thank you, guys. So when you look at those at just that right there. It says this in Ephesians 4. It says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly holy and truly righteous. Now, we watched two fans from opposite teams. And I'm sorry, if you're not from South Carolina, you won't have a clue. You won't have a clue what we just did. You're like, well, what's the big deal? Carolina and Clemson, though, it's like, man, we cut your throat around here. You try to do something right there. Put some Carolina jersey on a Clemson fan or whatever. But if you look at that scripture, it's like that's the way... Our sinful self should feel like Rawls did. And Rawls was pretty animated. I mean, you know, he didn't care. But Rawls, oh, you tell it by the Rawls. And you know what? The truth of the matter is this, is when we, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we are to be like Rawls with the opposite jersey on. It shouldn't feel comfortable. It should make you feel totally opposite of what you want to feel. There should be a conviction there 
And that's how you know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now see, it worked out perfectly because he didn't care. You know, to be honest with you, if you're lost, sin don't bother you. It ain't going to bother you. And that's a problem. Because if he doesn't bother you, if sin doesn't bother you, then chances are you probably don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You and I have to make a choice to be intentional or, you know, you can keep on keeping on just hoping that things will just change and, you know, never changing our attitudes, never changing our thought process, never, never making the right choices. Now, I'm in business. I, like I said before, I'm in the insurance business. And if you are in business for yourself, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If I don't like the result that I'm getting in my business, what do you think I should do? You should, you should make changes. You know, somebody, somebody said it, right? But I will tell you this, there are times that as business owners where we feel paralyzed and we don't change, we don't do anything, we just keep doing the same old, same old, and it doesn't make a difference, what happens, we're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, and we're going to expect a different result, right? That shouldn't be. You're not going to get a different result, y'all, by doing the same thing. You can look at your life. You can look at your marriage. You can look at your job. And you can look at your faith. And if it doesn't, and if it doesn't feel like you're doing anything different, and it's not producing the result that you need, then what do you think you probably need to do? You got to make the change. I have seen a lot of Christians, they get right, I mean, it's like, it's like if that row is where God wants them to be, they'll get to the edge and they can see exactly where God wants them to do, be where God wants them to be, and do exactly what God wants them to do. But they just, they hung up. They stopped right here and they look at it. It's like looking at the promised land and never going into the promised land like the Israelites did. Until 40 years later. My question to you today is what is it that God has given you to do that you haven't done? That you keep doing the same old, same old mentality over and over again, but you're expecting a different result. The one thing that I'll encourage you, and my admonition to you is this, is to intentionally choose righteousness and holiness above everything else. Okay? You stick to the Word of God, and you won't go wrong. But in that, you can't trust your feelings. Because let me tell you, your feelings will lie to you. And you know what? How many of you 
And you can raise your hand on this one because I'll raise my hand on this one. How many times has sin felt good to you? How many times has sin felt good to you? Yeah. You know, when you go in here and you, and it ain't got to be nothing about like pornography or anything, just giving somebody a piece of your mind, you know. You know, instead of using a proverb that says, hey, you know, silence is sometimes the best thing to do, you know. But I'm going to go give somebody a piece of my mind. And we ain't, half of us ain't got a piece of mind to be given away. So we don't need to do that, okay. But we do that. And it's sin. Now, we're going to continue on. These verses are pretty self-explanatory, Okay. We're going to read them. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Now, when it's talking about neighbors, like the body of Christ, I want you to be, and I want you to listen very carefully. It is fine to tell people the truth, but you need to tell people the truth in love. Because let me tell you something. You can go in with somebody with the word, and the word is a sword, okay, and, and it does. It cuts you and it cuts me the same way. But what you don't want to do is go chopping somebody off at the knees and they hobbling around, you know, spiritually because you've cut them in half. Unless God's given you the word to encourage them, to see them out of it. You know, sometimes we just like to go stab somebody in the back and just walk off and let them bleed to death. And that's not, that ain't love. We are to be able to offer, hey, you know what? God may be showing me this, but hey, it's for his glory because he wants this out of your life or whatever. So you got to be careful. Moving on, it says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. How many of you, how, how many thieves we got in here? <laughs> you're a thief that's what I'm talking about and I, and I just got baptized you're, Pow, I'm a thief <laughs> at least you honest tonight <laughs> anybody else anybody else a thief huh yeah, ain't nobody gonna admit I'm a thief <laughs> ain't nobody gonna admit how many of you how many of you go to a job every day raise your hand <laughs> how many of you are late every day <laughs> how many are late a lot of days I mean, if you're late, you, you ain't going to admit I, I wouldn't either. I'm late a lot of days. But to be honest with you, you know, I'm the boss. <laughs> so, like I tell my employees, I said, look, if I got to get here to open up, what I need you for? You know, that's just the truth. Just the truth. It's job security, darling. You get here on time. No, but seriously. How many of you steal time from your employer? You know, if you if you get in there late and you're on a salary, then to be honest with you, you're stealing time. You know, instead, what's it say? Use your hands for good, hard work, and then turn around and give generously to those in need. Another thing: don't use foul or abusive language. How many of you cuss a lot? I'm not even looking. I'm just going to keep on rolling. <laughs> Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear. Those are pretty self-explanatory things to do. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved 
on the day of redemption. We'll save this one till the end. I'll leave it right there. <clears throat> and I'll be closing with this. How many of you have goals in life? Raise your hands. How many of you have aspirations, things that you want to do in life that you sort of live by? Now, how many of you, and don't raise your hands because I don't want to embarrass you or anything like that, but how many of you have God goals in your life? You know, Becky and I, we were talking about this message. You know, a lot of times a good idea is not always a God idea. And you really do have to really pray through and think about, hey, is this really a God idea or is it just a good idea? There are three principles that I will tell you that God has given me. And I think the first two should apply to all of us as believers. Okay. And it comes straight from his word. And it's in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven, When Jesus said this. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul. That's the first one. The second one is in verse 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know mental health is a very serious issue, and I'm definitely not making light of that this morning, okay? And I don't want to just make a blanket statement over that okay but the truth of the matter is is y'all we really don't have a problem loving ourselves we really don't a lot of things that we do we love ourselves a lot really love ourselves too much that's what Jesus was really saying to me he says hey you really do love yourself hey just love other people as much as you love yourself so Look at your life and see, because like I say, those two right there, I think is for everybody. Do you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul? How does that play out? What are you intentionally choosing to do today to make sure that your heart still loves God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul? Secondly, how are you showing others that you love them? The third thing can be up to you, okay? But it needs to be grounded in God's word. Here's what God has given me. And it comes from Matthew 20, 26. And it says this, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Okay. I'm one of the elders here at this church. Okay. I feel like God's called me to the leadership of this church. But for me, I want you to know that I serve you. And I want you to be able to look at my life and say, Mark Wyatt serves you. That may not be important to Steve. It may not be important to Bill. It may not be important to Tim. It may not be important to Donnie, whoever. But to me, that is very important. I ain't your slave. I want to make that real quick. I'm not your slave. I'm a slave to Christ. Okay? But I ain't your slave. I'm your servant. How does that play out? How do I intentionally choose to be your servant? Okay? We're going to play it out. In practical terms, nursery. Do I have any kids in nursery? Nope, I don't have any kids in nursery. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But I keep nursery. 
You know why I keep nursery? It's because we have a hard time finding people to keep nursery. And those who do decide to keep nursery, it's inevitable. Becky will tell you she switches here, switches there every week. It's constantly. I don't have children in there, but I want you to see me serving in that capacity. You know why? Because I don't want to ask you to do something I'm not going to ask myself to do. It's just that plain. It's like I tell my employees, my staff, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I don't do myself. Secondly, I like to volunteer in Freedom Kids. My children have come up through Freedom Kids. They come up through nursery. Now they're in Freedom Kids. I did it with Julia. I did it with Peyton. Now Mary Catherine. Freedom Kids, y'all, I'm going to tell you, it's like nursery the other week. I had a ball, and I hope I get this right, because I call my kids, my kids tell you, if I'm talking to Julia, I'll call her Peyton. Then I'll call her Mary Catherine. Then I'll call her Becky. And then I'll finally get around to the right name. But wasn't it uh, Lucy the other week that I had, right? Well, me and Lucy, we had a we had a ball. Man, they got some cool stuff over there, y'all, in nursery for kids. I mean, they had, like, kinetic sand. We built, like, sandcastles and everything. Make y'all want to go serve nursery, don't it? Mm-hmm. No. Ain't none of you jumping up. But still, you have an opportunity to spend time with like Lucy's, the little Lucy's. Lucy never would talk to me. She'd always shy away whenever I, I talked to her here in church. But by being on her level, man, we had the best time. And she's a cool kid. Freedom Kids is that same way. The relationships that you guys built and Freedom Kids, like I remember like Rick and Brooke, they, they did a Freedom Kids forever for, I mean, every week. And the relationships that they built last for years and years and my kids still talk about when Rick and Brooke always used to do Freedom Kids because they made it so fun you know he'd had that loud horn you know (laughs) and you could hear it blowing and the kids loved it you know but I want to be a part of that it's like grace marriage I don't care if you don't think your marriage is important it is very important to me your marriage is absolutely essential to this church because here's the deal if you don't, if we don't have strong marriages, you don't have strong families. If you don't have strong families, you got a weak church. It's just that simple. That's the reason why we have. You, see, you guys seen the advertisement with the Jackson family coming in August? That's the reason why we do stuff like that. It's not because oh, we need something else to do. Trust me, we do plenty here. We do a lot. But the cool thing is, is that's just a tool that you can use in your in your tool belt to help your marriage. To me, it's important for you guys to see that I love you. First, I love the Lord, but I, I love each one of you, and I love your families. I love your kids. And so my intentions and my choices that I make are just like that. Now, in a well, matter of weeks, we'll have serve cards that comes up. You can choose to serve. you know. And I'll tell you, if you're part of the church family... We expect you to serve. You need to serve because here's what happens. When you start serving other people, what ends up happening is you stop taking a look at yourself and getting your eyes off yourself and you put it on other people. And then you can pour into their life. It's, y'all, I promise you it's a lot of fun. Give it a try. What do you got to lose? You've been doing the same thing over and over again. If you've been just coming here and just sitting around doing nothing, do something. Get a part of people's lives. It is so much fun. Now, we're going to close in verse 32. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, 
anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You know, life is truly about choices. And I'm going to read you a story, and it comes from a book called The Men We Need, and it's from Brant Hansen. And I'm going to put on my old man glasses, and I'm going to read something to you. Because this is just for, you know, an illustration from guys, from a man's perspective. It says this, I said, I read a man about... Good grace, I'm getting tongue-tied. Let me start over. I read about an important man who walked away from his family to do big things for God. He wanted, and he did, he traveled the world, he helped the poor children, and guess what he did? He made a deal with God. He said, hey God, I'll take care of your children if you take care of my children. Now, that sounds pretty, pretty, pretty cool, huh? Pretty spiritual, you know. I mean, man, I'll make a deal with God, and I'll take care of His children. I mean, He's He can take care of mine. I don't have to do anything, right? Well, of course, it didn't didn't work out that way for his family. The story tragically ended because it involved depression, loneliness, and even suicide. I wonder if maybe God didn't actually sign on to that deal. Maybe the deal was a one-sided justification for the man to continue to do what stroked his ego rather than what God really wanted him to do. Maybe God could have used someone else. Perhaps I'm particularly aware of the struggle because it was mine too. And I will tell you that I understand what this guy, this author is coming from because I think every man probably in this room does. When our kids were babies, I still wanted freedom and autonomy. I kept trying to do the stuff I was used to doing, even though life had changed at home, and it was enormously frustrating. Frustrating, that is, until I made peace with my role as a husband and dad. I threw myself into it, and after that, there was joy. Choices. And intentionality. Keep that in you. Keep that in your smokehouse. All right. The garden I was given to keep was a little boy and little girl and a woman, my wife, and it was beautiful. My job was helping them thrive and grow and bloom. Parents get a bad rap in pop culture, even in conversations when my wife and I first found out we were expecting. I kept hearing how hard it was going to be and how aggravating that kid would be, how this next season of life was sure to be awful. And here's how it usually goes down, and I share this from experience. And I can tell you, I may be reading this, but I can assure you that this was spoken to Becky and I both. Your wife is expecting. This is going to be pretty exciting, you say. Well, they say, you just wait. You just wait because you won't be getting any sleep once that baby's born. How many of you ever heard that before? Yep. It's all over. It gets harder. It gets worse. But then you find out your baby's fun. You think it's hilarious how he's amused by one particular stuffed dog and above all the other toys. They say, you just wait. Just wait. Because when that kid is toddling around and 
pulling down the curtains and getting into stuff you can't look away for a second. It gets harder. It gets worse. Truth is, your toddler's a blast, and everything is new to him and wonderful, from puppies to repeatedly crashing down towers of blocks. She laughs all the time and wants you to do it again, Daddy, do it again. And they say, just you wait, just wait, because your kid starts to they start really talking. You get tired of that sassy mouth, never shutting up. You'll wish he or, he or she was still a year, one-year-old. It's going to get harder. It's going to get worse. How many of you can relate to that? Yep. But your elementary kid is an absolute joy. You can take them swimming and play catch with them and teach them hilarious end-zone dances to amuse your friends. And they say, you just wait. Just you wait until he's a teenager. Because he'll learn how much he doesn't like you and won't have anything to do with you no matter what. He'll eat everything and you'll get tired of him and want him out of your house as soon as possible. It gets harder. It gets worse. Just you wait. The truth is, your teenager is fascinating. You can't get enough of him. He makes you laugh because, well, you saddled him with your exact sense of humor. You get to play video games with him. Sorry about that. I got a teenager going to college this year. (laughs) Sorry. He beats you at chess sometimes, 20 times in a row, and he fills your home, and I can relate to this, with music. It's always never quiet at our house. First with a screeching sound that months later becomes recognizably a recognizable melody. And then the sweetness of Bach on violin. He mows along, not always happily, but he does it. You catch him listening to your favorite bands in his room. And he says things that you never thought about before. He grows taller than you. Just you wait till he moves away, they say, because your heart will break in two. And for once, for the first time ever, they're right. Now, Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> last night we were we were on the way back from Charlotte. My kids are back there singing songs and and uh, st- stuff that I listen to. They they're old soul. They old school. They like their daddy's music, and uh, so that stuff kind of brings a rings a bell to me. So I apologize. But anyway, y'all life's about choices, and it's about intentionality. You can always listen to what other people say. And you can be their little dog and pony show. But you better stop playing around with God. It's just that I can't break it to you any, any other way. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you know what you need to do. You need to start doing it. It's just that simple. Likewise, those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior... You better stop playing around with God because it's only by the grace of God that you have the breath that you have and you ain't promised the next one. That's just the truth. Life is about intentionality and choices. It is totally up to you to do just that. You know, for those who are lost 
And I'll have to Clint's back there, and I think it's Dr. Turek. And is that right? Did I say his name right? He has a video. And he said, and some, some uh, college kid asked him, says, well, if God's so loving, why would he send me to hell? Well, it's really about choices, like, like Dr. Turek said. He says, you know what? God loves you so much that guess what? If you don't love him for the time that you have here on earth, you certainly aren't going to love him in eternity. So that choice, he's going to continue letting you have that choice that carries you through eternity. Because if you don't like God now, you ain't going to like him in heaven in eternity. My admonition to any, anyone who is in here today that don't know Jesus Christ, you come find me after service, and we can get that squared away. It really is a simple process. It ain't complicated. Repentance and prayer. Salvation is this. For all of you who know Jesus Christ, we try to complicate it. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where the food's at. That's all salvation is. Today, I don't know who needed this message. I hope all of you, maybe some of you, but I hope you can relate to it. I really do. Think about those two words, intentionality and choices. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace today. I thank you for life and for giving it to us abundantly. I thank you that you do give us choices. I thank you that you give us free will, that we can be intentional about those choices that we make. God, I thank you for each one that came. I thank you for us having a time of celebration, for uh, being up here uh, in baptism, for those people who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and carrying it out through obedience. So, God, I thank you for that. And, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to do the work that needs to be done in everyone's life. In Jesus' name.